Shot Six of the Right Way to Do Wrong, an expose of successful criminals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The Right Way to Do Wrong, an expose of successful criminals by Harry Houdini. Shot Six. The Aristocrat of Thievery. There are kings of crime as well as kings of finance. Much the same talent which enables John D. Rockefeller to pile up a thousand million dollars, or Henry H. Rogers to control unnumbered millions in Wall Street, applied in a different direction, develops that high grade of criminal whose robberies are exploited in scarehead stories in newspapers and are the talk of the country for many days. The case which occurred at Liverpool a short time ago was the work of a bright man. The circumstances related to me by a newspaper man are as follows. One day, Messrs. Oldfield and Company of Liverpool received a telegram purporting to come from Mrs. Brattlebank of Garston, then staying in London, ordering a quantity of diamonds to be sent to her Garston residence. Mrs. Brattlebank, being a wealthy customer and well-known to this jewelry house, a package of valuable stones was made up and sent by registered post after being insured for $5,000. After the arrival of the package in Garston, a well-dressed gentleman, representing himself to be Mr. Lang Miller, a wealthy South African shipowner and a friend of the Brattlebanks, called at the residence, having previously explained by telephone that he was coming to take the package to Mrs. Brattlebank in London. The whole affair seemed so open and above board and the appearance of Mr. Miller so honest and convincing that the valuable package was handed over to him without question. Neither Mr. Miller, who is now suspected to be one of the most expert confidence men in the kingdom, nor the diamonds have ever been seen since. The Swindler Who Lowered a Check The crime of raising a check is often attempted, and sometimes successfully, but it is seldom that a criminal attempts to lower the figures on a check and cash it for a less sum than it was made out for. The following incident occurred in Wall Street not long ago, showing that the man who conceived it must have had a ready wit and a clever brain, as well as considerable daring to put it into execution. It is said that this ingenious swindler had already realized between two and three thousand dollars by his startling new method of lowering checks. For instance, a stock exchange broker sells one thousand shares of a stock to ten customers in blocks of one hundred shares at ninety-one. Each purchaser prepares a check for $9,100 for the seller when the messenger boys make their rounds. If the checks are not ready when the messenger calls out to the cashier, who usually cannot see the boy, he is told to come back later. This swindler follows a messenger boy, and when the boy is told to return later, the fellow returns himself in a short time and gets the check, which is readily handed over to him. Having secured the check for $9,100, the swindler hurries away, and, knowing that safety does not lie in presenting the check for so large an amount, reduces it to $910, makes it payable to bearer by the use of chemicals, and secures the money. A Daring Train Robbery Among the clever coups that have come to my attention here is one related by an ex-convict and published recently in an English periodical which presents some rather interesting features. The writer says, A certain lady of high social position was known to possess an exceptionally valuable collection of jewelry, and some of us had long been casting covetous eyes upon it. 
One day she started from St. Pancras in the Scotch Express for her husband's seat in the Highlands, the jewelry being securely packed in one of her numerous trunks. These were duly placed in the luggage van, which was locked and only opened by the guard at the two or three places where the express stopped. No one, save the railway servants, entered the van or left it. Neither had the doors been opened while the train was in motion. But when the trunk in question was unlocked far away in Scotland, the jewel case was gone, and from that day to this not the slightest clue has been found as to its disappearance. Here was a case for a Sherlock Holmes or a Martin Hewitt, but either these gentlemen were not forthcoming, or they totally failed to solve what is, perhaps, the most mysterious railway robbery of recent days. Let me lift the veil and show how the little job was worked. Two men, both of whom are still making a very comfortable income as railway thieves, got to know of the lady's proposed journey and discovered the train by which she intended to travel. Accordingly, they also traveled north by that train, though they did not go as far as Scotland. On the contrary, they only booked to Leeds. Their luggage consisted of two portmanteaus and a massive wooden trunk, strongly hooped and padlocked. It was an honest, straightforward-looking trunk, but anyone who examined it very closely might have discovered a quantity of small holes in its sides, practically concealed by the iron hoops, between which and the woodwork there was at intervals a slight space. That trunk did not contain the large assortment of wearing apparel that might have been supposed. In fact, it only contained one suit of clothes, and that suit in case the limbs of a boy of fourteen. As soon as the train was well on its journey, one end of the trunk opened and the small boy emerged. With the aid of a goodly stock of skeleton keys and pick locks, the English hamper locks can be opened with a button hook, they are so simple, he opened the various hampers bearing her ladyship's name and presently discovered the jewel case, which he removed to his own box. He then locked up the trunks, returned to his hiding place, closed the sliding panel, curled himself up comfortably in the box, and went to sleep for the rest of the journey. At Leeds, the two men alighted, called a porter, who got their luggage out of the van for them, and then drove in a cab to a certain temperance hotel in Brigate, where, in the privacy of the room they had secured, the boy was let out of the box, and the jewel case gleefully examined. Its contents traveled back to London by the next train, and were safely on the continent before the news of the robbery had reached Scotland Yard. A check for $30,000 a single plant on a Chicago bank was pulled off recently, whereby the clever swindler coppered out $30,000 for himself with very little effort. The bank officers tried to hush the matter up as much as possible, and for the sake of the depositors I shall not give the name of the institution, but the facts which I am certain are substantially as follows. A depositor of several years' standing appeared a few days ago in the bank president's office with a draft on London for £6,000, which was perfectly good. The depositor informed the president he desired to deposit this London draft, and at the same time to check against it, presenting his check for $30,000 for the president to okay. The latter put his initials on it and thought no more of the transaction. The depositor then went out into the bank and deposited his London draft, and on the following day presented a check for $30,000, which was paid, the teller knowing that the amount was to his credit on the books. Later in the day, he again appeared at the window and presented the check for $30,000, which had been initialed by the president. This check was also paid. Nothing more has since been seen of the depositor. Embezzler's Wife You are a thief and a criminal. Never speak to me again. Embezzler But I stole it all for your sake. Embezzler's Wife Yes, but didn't you go and give it all back again? 
Cincinnati Commercial Tribune. "'What did that man do to make himself so famous?' asked the inquirer, gazing curiously at an individual who formed the center of a social group. "'To the best of my knowledge,' replied the cynic, "'he did the public.'" End of Shot 6 Recording by Leanne Howlett